0: a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast hello and welcome back to another episode of a pack a day podcast wherever you may be and however you may be listening thank you for making us part of your day we really appreciate it and today on the pack a day podcast back with me again Jacob and Owen, and guys, we've got a lot to talk about today, but before before we actually get into our topic for the day, Owen, I, I have to ask you a question here, because you tweeted something uh, about a week ago uh, r- surrounding the Melvin Gordon uh, quote-unquote trade request that he had for wanting a new contract, and you ask people to find your pants and uh, it's hard to get through without laughing. I just got to know, have we found anything yet?
1: Well, like I'm currently wearing pants. Good, good to
0: know. Good to know. Um, Very unconfirmed.
1: Unconfirmed if that pair has been found or not. Um, And for like some transparency, although not with my pants that like, so I was excited, like the very, like, the prospect of Melvin Gordon being traded and this, that being, or, like, or wanting out of uh, Los Angeles unless he gets a new deal or whatever. Like, part of me is like, oh, wow, yeah, that'd be sick if he played for the Packers. That literally is for, like, half a second. And then I was like, well, there's no way that he'd end up with Green Bay. So, like, and, like, honestly, the charges are probably about as good of a situation he can be in. So I, do, I hope he does stay there. Um, but, yes, yeah, so, I mean, just that, like, that alternate reality where, like, in Madden, you could actually trade for him and then, like, not actually have anything change is pretty sick. But um, I hope people don't still think that, like, the Packers are going to try to trade for Melvin Gordon.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I, I bring it up because at first, when I saw that tweet, I didn't see that it was attached to any other retweet. And I thought you were just tweeting that for the hell of it. So, no,
1: I was definitely at work. So, we had would have been problematic in its own right. But. Um yeah, and like we kind of uh Jake kind of and I just kind of joked around about this before we started the podcast. The same people that are clamoring for Melvin Gordon to get for the Packers to trade for him are the same people that like don't think that Aaron Jones gets the ball enough and Melvin Gordon's coming up on a contract extension. That's why he wants out unless he gets a new deal. And in 2 years the Packers will have to extend Aaron Jones and Aaron Jones is like two years younger and has a lot less carries on his record than Melvin Gordon and is much better as a receiver. So I guess you're free to think how you wish, but um, one makes a lot more sense than the other, and the one that makes sense requires no effort. So,
0: Well, Jacob and I, as from last year, I'm assuming we both still agree that Aaron Jones does not get the ball enough, or did not at least last year. I know Jacob and I were both very much on the same page with that. So good to know that uh, the pants have potentially been found, but that's not why we're here. Just had to uh, just had to clarify that quick. So today, guys, we're going to be talking about the Packers cornerback preview, and this is actually going to be interesting. There's um, – well, as we were talking before, we started this, that there's four – Players that we feel are going to be locked to make the roster, and then two kind of up in the air, and then a question of whether or not they keep four safeties and a seventh corner, or if they keep six corners and keep a fifth safety. So we'll jump into that. So Jacob, I'll have you start us off here. So uh, just give us a quick rundown of the four players that we kind of agreed are are locked to make the roster.
2: Sure. So there is budding star, second-year leap, Mike uh, McCarthy-ism, if you will, as a a tribute to uh, Mike McCarthy's no longer being in Green Bay. That is Jair Alexander, who is going to be an absolute star this season. I firmly believe that. Uh, Then there is everybody's favorite draft pick in the last five years. That is Kevin King. Uh, And then there is Tremont Williams, the veteran who will hopefully play Uh, The role that was designed last year for Devon House, because nothing against Tremont Williams, but I don't need to see his 37-year-old body chasing these world-class athletes as an outside cornerback at this stage. He can definitely make the team. Uh, He still provides value. His brain alone will provide value to these young guys. And the fourth one is my son, and that is Josh Jackson out of Iowa, who is going to dispel any myth whatsoever that, honestly – I always think it's funny how somebody comes up with an idea of somebody writes a story, and last year what happened was somebody wrote a story that said, oh, Josh Jackson could play safety in his first year. And now everybody just runs with that because he had a rough patch here or there during rookie season. Uh, And he finished with, I believe it was one fewer pass breakup than Jair Alexander. Now, I'm not saying he was as good as Alexander last year because he wasn't, but the idea that Josh Jackson fully proved last year he can't play cornerback Is ridiculous, but I just find it funny that one guy wrote one story about how Josh Jackson could play safety, and then it turned into this, well, they need to do that right now. This needs to happen right now because he can't play corner. So those are the four guys they are absolutely going to make the roster, and the cornerback position is one of the more interesting ones on this roster because if – namely the three young guys – if those three young guys play to their potential, it is one of the strengths of the roster. If they don't, it's one of the biggest question marks on the roster for how good that back end could be. And it seems like we've been talking about question marks at the cornerback position for 10 years. I mean, it, it's been a really long time. It seems like the Packers, I mean, since what, the days of 2015, the year before they drafted Randall and Rollins. Uh, and They had Casey Hayward and Micah Hyde and – uh, Sam Shields was healthy and all those guys, but those are your four guys that make the roster. And really, yeah, they hold the keys to whether or not this defense can be something special by the time the by the time the hopefully the postseason uh, rolls around.
0: Absolutely, and so and then Owen, so I have you throw in. We so those are the locks, and then. You know we kind of I kind of mentioned you know whether or not they'll go with six or seven corners here, but we got two players we're assuming they will assume for the sake of this here that they're just going to keep six, so the five and six spot we kind of said is. Up for grabs, obviously, depending on how people perform in training camp and the preseason. But we had two players that, as of right now, where it sits, where we think they'll make that five and six. And Owen, who, who are those two corners uh, that that we think are going to be the five and six?
1: Well, um, <clears throat> I guess before I answer that quick, I just kind of want to ex- or just kind of expand on what what Jacob said about Josh Jackson, right? So I think what people forget is. He's literally played cornerback for like two years. Yes, last um, year was two. So, because he played Iowa, he played receiver at Iowa first, and then he got transferred over to corner and had like eight picks, and then declared for the draft. And so he's like still really learning how to play the position. So, um, you know, obviously, while <clears throat> the NFL stage is too high of a high of a stage to really be like. Uh, I guess, excusing poor play. Like, I, I guess I, I'm a bit unsure of what the expectations were uh, if to, to consider that or to, to really think that he played that poorly. Um, the other thing, and, and, and Jacob's right about this, that the, the prospective thought of him possibly playing safety is something that's like, well, given his traits and his physical abilities, conceivably this could happen. And again, this isn't Madden, so you don't just change a player's position and they just know how to do it. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily wise to ask him to change positions again. Um, Like I said, when he's only played corner for like two years, two and a half years. Um, So anyways, getting off that soapbox, you're right. So the other two guys that could make the roster, one was on the roster last year. uh, Tony Brown was a undrafted free agent. I believe he originally signed with the Chargers and then ended up on the Packers. Uh, I was a big fan of Tony Brown. I would have been very happy had the Packers drafted him. Uh, he's a a former five-star recruit. He's a stupid athlete. Uh, ran track at Alabama as well as in football. Uh, unfortunately, just that, that athletic profile never really seemed to line up with the field uh, at Alabama until really his senior year when he played quite a bit. So he's a guy. I thought he played well last year. Uh, he's uh, part of the reason he went undrafted was he's a bit of a loose cannon I think would probably be the best way to say it he's very expressive with how he feels and he's always going to be a guy until I see otherwise that's always like on the verge of a silly 15 yard penalty like every other game um but that's just kind of how he plays he's very intense he's very emotional and passionate when he plays um so that's always there but uh, I think that as he continues to play, he he flashed a bit last year. And like I mentioned, physical ability has never, ever been a problem for Tony Brown. So the the more he gets, uh, the more reps he gets in Green Bay, I think he'll be good. And then the other guy was a sixth-round pick, Kadar Holloman uh, from Toledo, a, a big six-foot press corner that ran in the high four threes, uh, is another guy that, I think is probably going to be a maybe not considered raw, but basically only played press at Toledo. And he's going to be asked to play that a lot in Green Bay as well. But uh, I think, uh, and like what Jacob mentioned with that, Ramon Williams' role, uh, having that older, like basically being a player coach kind of, um, he's a guy that Holloman that can really benefit from um, being around him and kind of just learning how to, how to be a professional, how to play, how to conduct yourself. Um, And just learning, continuing to learn the NFL game uh, from a guy like Tremont Williams. So those are the two guys that, to me, at least, and we kind of discussed this uh, as a consensus as well, that those are the two guys that seem like they have the the foot in the door to those fifth and sixth spots, as long as nothing, um, you know, no injuries or, or something outlandish occurs.
0: Yeah, well, and you know, I think when you when you start looking at the depth chart, it that probably would make the most amount of sense if we're also again, we're talking here just assuming they're going to keep 6 corners instead of 7. I uh, will get to that in a little bit here, but um so guys, I want you to give me two so we we just listed 6 corners that we think will make the roster. And we went through that five and six, and we, you know, we'll we stay away from the the one through four because those are pretty much locks, and there's really good reasons for that. But give me a corner each um, that you think could potentially surprise, make the roster, and like not necessarily because oh, you know, Tony Brown got hurt, or you know, not because of injuries, but that they their skill level just could surprise in in the preseason and they could potentially snag that, that sixth spot on the roster. So, so Owen, who are you looking at that could potentially, that we haven't mentioned yet, that could potentially snag a sixth spot on this roster?
1: Well, I, okay, so I'm going to use a qualifier, and I hope I don't ruin ruin Jake's answer here, but I guess it kind of depends on whether or not Natrell Jamerson's considered a corner safety, um, but I guess kind of I'll leave that alone. Um, the guy for me is Will Redmond. Uh, so he's a former third-round pick of the 49ers. He uh, tore his ACL, <clears throat> I believe, during the pre-draft process. He was another one of those famous Trent red redshirt draft picks uh, when he was with the 49ers. I had a lot of those guys. Um, a lot of them didn't pan out, in the, and unfortunately, is part of the reason why he does not not there in San Francisco anymore. Um, but Redmond's a guy, talent's never been an issue. He's a, he was a 4-3 guy coming out. Um, you know, He played three years at Mississippi State, so the the level of competition isn't a concern. Um, you know, he's a guy, he's 5'11", 186 pounds, can play outside. I think they'll probably ask him to play in the slot a bit as well, um, you know, with with Pettin trying to get as many athletic defensive backs on the roster, on the field as he can, um, you know, in those, those long and late downs. Redmond's a guy, to me, like I said, it wouldn't surprise me at all. The NFL considered him a third-round pick three years ago, uh, and, and he's a guy that never – I don't think he's really gotten a ton of opportunity, um, you know, obviously, again, he's a guy. Physical talent isn't the problem. I think he's if he's able to stay healthy, uh, it wouldn't surprise me to really see him push for a roster spot.
0: And, and Jacob, who are you looking at on this roster that could potentially snag that sixth spot? Well,
2: Owen did ruin both of them. <laughs> So I should have seen that coming. Uh, well, so well Jacob, say- Jacob
0: don't, don't, don't feel too bad. Uh, the other podcasts I do with Maggie and Paul, they pretty much say the same thing every week. They're on the same page. So if you, if you want to yes. double dip, that, 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 that happens on the podcast.
2: Right. Uh, who is Maggie again? Oh, it's a joke. That I'm sorry. I'll drive it into the ground, Maggie, but it never gets old. Um, at any rate to answer the question, since I have to give an answer and Owen basically broke down the other two guys, I will say that Jeff Janis is signed to play cornerback and they have a celebrity death match between both he and Jake kumaro who switches positions in an attempt to make the roster.
0: All right, there you have it. So Jake kumaro's only chance of making the, the roster.
2: <laughs> since I just said that, who would fans side with more Kumaro,
1: Whitewater Jesus,
2: yep. our Lord Kumaro. and Savior, Janet Christ. Hey, did you know
1: that Jake Kumaro is the Bosa's cousin? Oh, this, yes. this this podcast <laughs> is just going right off the rails.
0: <laughs> um,
2: all right, so since I've thrown it, but I apologize. I will bring up, I will say, Natrell Jamerson is somebody who is intriguing both as the corner and the safety position just because he's somebody that the, – there was all this talk all week, and I, I found it kind of funny that I guarantee you that – half the people actually more than half had no idea who Jalen Thompson was until Tony totally Pauline reported that the Packers were showing interest to in him in the supplemental draft. And yeah, it was kind of cool that the Packers could have potentially added somebody of a relatively decent value on July 9th or whatever day it turned out to be. Uh, the supplemental draft was, but it's that hybrid corner safety role that they kind of wanted Josh Jones to play, but we don't know if Josh Jones is going to be here or not. And the Packers don't have a ton of experience at the safety position at this point, or a lot of depth, honestly, because you're looking at Adrian Amos who obviously they gave a big contract to Darnell Savage, who they traded up for in the first round. And then after that, it's like Raven green and a lot of other really unknowns after that. So it really could be something that uh, Jamerson takes hold of. And realistically, some of these guys kind of like Micah Hyde, for example, What position did he play in Green Bay? He was a hybrid corner safety. There wasn't a whole lot of difference in what those two positions meant for him specifically. Uh, They're going to do a whole – Morgan Burnett is another guy who comes to mind. He played a little slot corner. He played safety. He played linebacker. I think Jamerson is one of those guys that can do a lot of those things. So I'll be interested to see how they use him uh, in training camp, just to give you a straight answer. Hopefully I didn't repeat too much of what Owen said.
0: Well, there you go. And so now I do want to move into this next question here. Uh, Owen, you had mentioned this uh, before we started. So um, talking about whether or not they're going to keep six corners or seven corners and how that affects the rest of the roster. So given what you see with this talent pool both at safety and at corner, Uh, Do you feel that they should keep seven corners and go with only four safeties or I mean just looking at this roster especially talking about with these corners and I know a lot of it's you know I know a lot of it's probably going to come down to it depends on how a lot of these players play in training camp and preseason and what everybody kind of shows us but given what you know right now about the roster where are you kind of leaning six or seven corners here?
1: Well, I'm going to cop out here and hedge because I'm going to say this all depends on what happens with Josh Jones. Um, really, because – so, and I don't mean to, to cross over podcasts here, but so if you if you just take, take a very short look at the safety position, you have Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage. Those are two 100% are making the roster, right? Raven Green theoretically making the roster. That's three. There's some other guys, Mike Tyson, the safety. Um, Trey Matthews from Auburn I actually kind of like. So there, there's other guys at safety, right? Um, and if you consider, uh, I believe it was reported, I think Andy Herman did that. Uh, that Natrel Jamerson was playing a lot of safety in, in OTAs. So if you consider him there, like that's six to seven guys that could potentially maybe make the roster there too. Um, but like I said, I think really the, the the caveat is is Josh Jones. He's that piece that uh, the the it, w- depending on how his domino falls, I think others fall behind there. Um, I think. Jamerson's ability to play both spots makes him extremely versatile um, and valuable. He's also a former return specialist at the University of Wisconsin. So there's that ability uh, to do something to keep him on the roster as well. Uh, I mean, there's, I guess, I would be, if you consider Natrell Jamerson a corner, I think there's probably more likely the the, the chance that they keep seven corners. But like I said, it's, realistically, he's going to probably play or end up at safety, right? So if he if he's considered a safety and makes the roster, I think probably it's because Josh Jones was either traded or, or released, um, depending on how his situation turns out.
0: And, and, Jacob, I mean, your feeling on six corners versus seven, where do you come down on that, and what would you like to see the Packers do with that?
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, I kind of give the same – bogus ass answer every time this question gets asked. I think we did this when we were talking about tight ends a little while back after the draft. And really my answer to that is well one, it's gonna change. Like we there's so many like there's so many great people that do so many good things as far as the Packers go. And all of us are guilty of it from the standpoint of We worry so much about this back end of the roster guy that's never going to make it through waivers, and more often than not, they do. The guy who's like the poster child for that that I can remember – well, there's quite a few, actually. But Jamal Roll was a guy who played cornerback that the Packers couldn't afford to cut, and I don't even think he's in the league anymore. Do you guys remember when they had – I think it was DeAndre Burrell and Torrey Gurley.
1: Dude, hell yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Two wide receivers at the back of the roster and they cut them every year, and they always ended up either back on the practice squad or back with the team in some way or another. So we worry so much about these back end of the roster guys when the reality is it's I mean, I know Sam Shields was the guy that they didn't cut, obviously in two thousand ten, and he became one of the most important players on a team that won a Super Bowl. That's incredibly rare. More often than not, like you're sealing for an undrafted free agent is what Ladarius Gunter was, which is the guy you hope can play in spots, and you pray to God that he never has to cover Des Bryant, Odell Beckham, and Julio Jones in three consecutive playoff games. Oh, wait, he did. So that's why they didn't win that year. But nonetheless, um, to answer your question, who are the best players? Because I don't think uh, there's anybody on this roster that Green Bay can say, like, oh, this guy – You know, these guys have to have to make the roster because of draft status or they've invested in him for two or three years. Like, honestly, like I mentioned, there's not a ton of depth at the safety position. Like I just mentioned three guys and, you know, one of them, Raven Green, he's not a lock to make the roster. I would imagine he does, but he's not a lock to make the roster by any stretch. So why not just go with who the best players are and. You know, uh, Brian Gutekunst, Matt LaFleur, both have talked about competition and the need for competition at every level. Now, obviously, Deshaun Kaiser is not competing with Aaron Rodgers for the starting quarterback job, even though Deshaun Kaiser himself said he expects to see himself as a Super Bowl MVP one day. That's unlikely to be in Green Bay. Uh, That's not where the competition comes into play. But something I would like to see is I do think some of these guys in recent years have – gotten a little lax you know gotten a little gotten a little comfortable if you will in the fact that we have to keep these numbers those numbers whatever so this way uh, i think green bay if they just if, if that means six corners great if that means four safeties great if that means seven corners a couple of high with a couple of hybrid guys that kind of move around like that and then you know only three safeties then so be it uh i i think that you know, eventually those are numbers that are going to change anyways. But at the beginning of the year, that's that's the message I would like the new head coach to send, is that we are going to compete on the roster every single day, very similar to what Pete Carroll preaches in Seattle. I know a lot of people don't like the Seahawks, but that is something of his philosophy that I think works and I do enjoy it. So that's not really an answer. Maybe I should run for president as good as I am at giving non-answers, but uh, that's my answer.
0: All right. Well, you know, I, I I tend to agree with you, though, on that. Just you got to keep the best 53 players that you can. Um, so I, I actually agree with you there. But so before we wrap up here, guys, there's one last question that I want to ask you both. And I'm sure you're both going to roll your eyes at it because I roll my eyes at it. Uh, but I think it's something that uh, fans would at least like to have heard addressed. And that is... The issue of Kevin King and whether or not he can stay healthy and what his injury status means for him moving forward with this team. So obviously we've seen when he's on the field, he seems like an incredible talent at the corner position. Part of the problem is it feels like we haven't seen enough of him because he's always injured. It seems like I don't he has not completed a seven a sixteen game season yet in his short career, but I just want to get your guys' quick takes on Kevin King and like are you worried about him as as a player being consistently injured? It seems, and you know at at what point do you kind of you know evaluate talent versus injury and whether or not you you keep him around obviously I don't think even if he gets hurt in the preseason I feel like he's going to make the roster but at what point do you start monitoring his injuries as a potential to whether or not you keep him and how you determine that Uh, so Owen I just want to start with you on this how do you look at Kevin King right now as a player on this team
1: well, and I mean, you're right. So when he has played, he's been very good, uh, or at least good, right? So, and he is very talented. The, the perspective, the height, weight, speed, athletic profile is all there. I mean, he hasn't finished his rookie deal yet. I believe this should be the last year of it, question mark. Um, so, I mean, they'll have to make a decision after this year as to whether or not they want to extend him or not. But, I mean, at the end of the day, as much as I – you know, was, uh, you know, I'll fight against the T.J. Watt pick or, you know, like the not pick or that, um, you know, he got picked in front of T.J. Watt or before it could have been him or whatever the case is if they hadn't traded back. Regardless of my feelings of that, the best ability is availability. So no matter what I feel about Kevin King, and I do think he's good and I do think he's, you know, the roster's better when he's on it. Uh, ultimately, I mean, if he's, Unable to stay healthy, unfortunately, that doesn't really do anyone any good. So, I mean, to me, I'm fine with him on the roster. Like I said, we'll have to see how he does this year. Like I said, this will be the final year of his of his rookie deal. Um, you know, at that point, then you can kind of re re consider it. It'll be 25 years old at the end of this year, which again is still you know by no means damaged or at the end of his road or anything else. But um, so, I mean, I'm probably higher on Kevin King than most people. Uh, I know he's frustrating for a lot of fans, and and they're frustrated he's out on the field more. And and I can guarantee every single one of the Packer fans or anyone else that ever has thought about it, it's much more frustrating for Kevin King than it is for you. So it's his livelihood. If he's unable to stay on the field, it's awful tough for him to make a living um, after his contract's up. So uh, I hope he stays healthy. I I do think he's good, Um, and I think he'll be fine. Hopefully this year is the year he's able to – to, to be healthier and play more, but I guess, you know, we're going to have to kind of wait and see, but I think the needle has to be, um, you know, he wasn't hurt all the time at Washington. So regression should indicate that at least sometime here, pretty quick, hopefully he's able to complete uh, if not a full 16 games, you know, 14 or 13 or 14 games at least in a year.
0: And, And Jacob, where, where, where are you coming down on Kevin King with all of his injury issues?
2: I tend to hate questions like this just because, I mean, I played football at a much smaller level and broke every single one of my fingers, including both thumbs separately, obviously, separated a shoulder and had two concussions uh, that were documented at least uh, if you want to go that route. But that is me playing small, bad high school football in a crappy wishbone offense and slamming into people every other play. Kevin King plays at the highest level in the NFL. And it just feels like when you have these discussions, it's almost like people feel like he's trying, like the discussion is framed as if he's trying to get hurt. Like, oh, Kevin King hurt his shoulder again. Oh my God, I can't believe how brittle his body is. I just don't think those are fair statements to make when, I mean, I know it's a cliche statement, but these are the equivalent of 35 mile an hour car crashes. When these guys collide into each other. I just don't think that's fair. I also think that if TJ Watt didn't go to Wisconsin, this wouldn't be a constant conversation that Packers fans have, but he did. And the realistic from a national standpoint is everybody says, Oh, the Packers passed on TJ Watt to draft Kevin King. Well, 28 other teams also passed on TJ Watt and not all of them got good players out of the deal. Like, Or
1: 29
2: other teams, excuse me. TJ Watt was picked 30th. So.
1: Taco Charlton went before him.
2: There you go. The Dallas Cowboys passed on TJ Watt to pick Taco Charlton. You think they talk about that? Maybe they do. I don't know. But TJ Watt. They
1: might, to be honest.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They might. But, I mean, honestly, I can promise you that it would be a much louder conversation in Dallas if he went to Texas which is just an odd conversation for me in general. But anyways, the answer to your question is, yeah, Owen talked about, he wasn't, he had some issues at Washington, but not a ton. And regression would seem to indicate, yeah, that he should be getting to a quote, normal level. But realistically, most of his injuries, it's not like they've been, I don't know. I I have a different opinion. I don't like the phrase injury prone because I think ultimately a lot of it is just bad luck. Like, who was it? Any offensive lineman. You see, like, the way they're standing. Somebody rolls over the wrong way. Their leg shreds into a million pieces. Is that their fault? No, they just happen to be standing there. Like, that's bad luck. Kevin King pulled a hamstring and he had a shoulder injury. None of those things are something that he could have done anything different to change things. It's not like he had poor technique that resulted in a shoulder injury. Or I always love the the doctors that are like, oh, they're out of shape. That's why. It's got to be the strength and the conditioning stuff. They're out of shape. Poorly conditioned. That can't be it. I, I just – I don't believe all that stuff. Uh, so there's my opinion on the phrase injury code To get back on the rails here and answer the question, I mean, Kevin King's in the third year of his contract. It's a four-year deal because he was a second-round pick. So – this is a big year for him because the Packers, like you mentioned, because he's been injured, don't have a ton of data on him in terms of you know, how much has he played. Because, yeah, you, like we've mentioned, when he's played, he's been pretty good. But that's not a large sample size. Uh, so the Packers really need him to play 16 games this year, not just because he can fix their defense and really make them a really good unit if he can play cornerback at a high level for 16 games, but also so they could see is this somebody that they want to keep around, you know, beyond what would that be the 2021 season or whatever that is. So that's why it's important. Not so much for the, Oh, he's been injured a ton or the, you know, I, the Packers, I can promise you weren't, aren't thinking about the fact that they could have had TJ Watt. I, I don't think so at least. So I know that's a conversation that's never going to go to bed, uh, it probably doesn't help that he was from Wisconsin, but, you know, move on. I, I, I beg of you people, my friends and people on Twitter and everything else, please just let it go. It's over. It's done with. And King's good when he's healthy. The problem is, yeah, he's just not been healthy for very long.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel. I feel that if he can stay healthy, I feel like he's probably the second-best corner on the team. Um, only behind Alexander, but then again, I think that's a conversation of height and play style and and a few other things. But um, I I've really been pulling for him these last couple of years. Uh, you know, you can't like you said, you can't go back and change the past with the TJ Watt thing. And quite honestly, sometimes when you look at this uh, the cornerback depth that we have, I I don't think it was a mistake to to take him. Um, But anyway, so that uh, right there will wrap up our preview on the cornerback position for 2019 for the Packers. Obviously, like we've mentioned several times throughout the podcast, uh, you know, all of this is subject to change, uh, injuries, you know, people surprising during training camp. You know, it's it's taking shots in the dark with some of it. So uh, but there you have the cornerback preview for 2019 for the Packers. And before we wrap up here quickly, uh, Jacob Owen, I want to ask how people can get in touch with you, Jacob,
2: how can people follow your work? Uh, You can find me fan sided Dairyland express. I just finished uh, the top 10 Packers teams since 1992, uh, which was a lot of fun, honestly uh, going through and ranking those teams. Spoiler alert, the 1996 green Bay Packers were number one, um, Because, duh. But otherwise, yeah, the rest of the list was fun. Sometimes it makes you sad. Like, going through the 2017 made me sad. The 2014 team, by the end, because it was so much fun. uh, Until, obviously, the bitter end, uh, as you see through most of those teams uh, here in Green Bay. If the Packers lose, it never seems to be, oh, they got blown out in the playoffs. The game was over at halftime kind of thing. That seems pretty rare. It's usually the most gut-wrenching Way possible but then yeah you could follow me on twitter and watch me make fun of nick and talk about how his fiance is a better follow than him even though i've only followed her for two weeks uh that is at jacob westendorf
0: and uh yes jacob is not lying with that my fiance is a much better follow than i am and uh owen how can people follow you and get in touch with your work
1: yeah you can follow me on twitter at reese drafts my last name r-i-e-s-e draft um yeah i don't know we're about to start uh ramping up the uh start going back to the content factory more often now so um be excited for that uh right for bucky's fifth quarter we'll be getting more on that as well um and and probably some more packer stuff too so that's where you can find me um you can see me post pictures of the drinks that i drink each weekend and uh yeah probably make jokes about me not wearing pants
0: All right. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sports Schmitty. And as Jacob continually points out, it's really not worth it. So if you don't do it, I'm not offended by it. So so make sure you tune in tomorrow. Steve, Dusty, and Sarah will be taking a look at the linebacker preview for the Packers for this coming season. And, guys, we are just a little over a week away from training camp. So – If you're driving around in your car and you're listening to talk radio and you're sick of them talking about the NBA like I am, uh, good news. You're not too far away from the start of training camp and preseason, and it'll be great. And we are so looking forward to it. So we're very excited about it. So make sure you're liking the podcast on Twitter and following on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And make sure you're liking and subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure to do that as well. We appreciate the support so very much from all of you. And we are coming up next week is I, I don't know the exact date off the top of my head. But we are coming up on one full year of doing this. Uh, it's, it's been it's been a lot of fun, and I know, Jacob, you and I have been here since the start. It's been a lot of fun, and Owen, uh, we're so happy to have you here for pretty much the start of Season 2, so we're really excited about this. This is really great. We appreciate all the support that you've given us over this past year, so thank you very much for that. So uh, Well, with that, we will wrap up here, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it, and as always, go Pack Up.